Welcome to another exciting episode of the Table Topics Podcast. I'm Caleb. Joining me today are... Anes. Christian. Santiago. Today we're going to be talking about how to be a good player, everything that goes into it. You know, we're, we're talking from experience and our opinions. I mean, a lot of this stuff we suffer from as players ourselves. You know, we're not perfect, but we're just going to kind of impart some of our knowledge, some of our experiences to you, the listener. We're not perfect yet. Not yet. We are... We're, Except for me. Chris is perfect. We're all almost achieving uh, that sort of yeah. higher... Chris is lucky we're doing uh, this as a podcast and there's no video because, boy, his color scheme. <laughs> <laughs> He's distracting just in a room. <laughs> we'll leave it to you to imagine distracting how. Yes. Yeah. So, so where do we begin? Well, we begin talking about what... What is the role of the player with regards to tabletop RPGs? Like we're all, everyone at the table is, is there to enjoy the experience and to create this kind of what t- tabletop RPGs are essentially are a collective storytelling experience. Now, what does that mean? Well, I mean, a lot of games, depending on the games, right? It's either more on the GM to come up with a story. Sometimes it depends, right, on both the game and the GM and the players, how much sort of involvement the players have. But it's a non-zero amount in any game. Some will lean heavily on the players to be involved and really drive the story um, and the experience of the general game. Some might be a little more skewed towards the GM. But either way, it's a collective storytelling experience. So both the GM and all the players... They play a big role in the game that you guys are all playing. I also think it has a lot to do with the experience level of the mm-hmm. players at your table. If people are more comfortable taking the reins of storytelling, then give it to them. Uh, but otherwise, new newer players, I find a lot of the time, don't have that comfort and aren't willing to make those uh, kind of steps and like be as proactive. As proactive, yeah, yeah in the story. So... It depends on who's at your table, but at the minimum, your players are playing the characters. They are the main characters of your story. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's just a thing in in general. Like it's not limited to tabletop uh, role playing games. If just like you know, the more experienced you are in something, the more adventurous you are, and so mm-hmm. like the more experienced players will you know tend to like step up more and be more adventurous with like their contribution to to a story. But uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's yeah. gonna do a little bit. It's definitely like a learned skill and mm-hmm. and the most like directly applicable version of that skill is like it's it's a lot of improvisation. Yeah. It's a lot about learning how to say, you know, the, the colloquial yes and how mm-hmm. do you approach this and contribute to it and and being more confident in yourself and being able to say, I want to contribute to this is definitely a skill that you learn from doing this more and more. Brand new players may be fantastic at that, but maybe they have backgrounds in kind of a more improvisational kind of like story structure, either from theater mm-hmm. or from stand-up or from any number of other things, public speaking. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of comedians and just people that do that sort of work, they love D&D as well. They really get involved in that. So it shows that sort of overlap between the two. And I also think like just starting out, once you start getting more comfortable with the idea of role-playing and embodying a character and just, you know, kind of letting a, a bunch of your reservations just go about, you know, oh, I don't want to seem weird or anything. You're just diving with both feet. You'll have a good time. If you don't, then, you know, then... Learn from the experience. Exactly, yeah. Just maybe take more of a backseat and observe and see what works for you, right? I also think if you have a bunch of GMs in your party as players, they can definitely you know, help drive the story as well, because they have that sort of idea of how a story comes together, right? And that sort of idea of a bigger thing than just, hey, my character. But again, it's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, And and the thing about tabletop RPGs and this collective storytelling experience is that it is so uniquely a a tabletop playing uh, game thing. There is no collective storytelling experience when you're at a movie. I think, I think the closest thing that has been a collective storytelling experience in, uh, recent memory is something like, uh, 
uh, Bandersnatch. Uh, the so Netflix. Choose your own adventure, sort choose of. Choose your own yeah. adventure, where the audience was able to directly input mm-hmm. what was happening in the story. I mean, essentially, that's what <laughs> role playing games are: choose your own adventures, but where the options are limitless, right? Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess let's get into a little bit more of the crux of it. It's going to be a lot of people at your table, right? It's either anywhere from, you know, three to six or even more than that, even less sometimes. Depends on the game, obviously. But you're introducing a lot of different people, different dynamics, and there are some things you need to know as a player, what you're comfortable with and what you're not so comfortable with. And these are things, you know, it kind of is part of a broader topic that is you need a open line of communication and where everybody feels comfortable. And one of those things is we want to draw lines and boundaries to just make sure that everybody's on the same page. Yeah. There's a bunch of things that people can be sensitive about. And like, you know, some of it, everyone can like realize like, oh, this is a general sensitive topic. Like in general, you know, uh, this is not restricted to tabletop RPGs, you know, like Mm -hmm. religion is considered a sensitive topic and politics are considered sensitive topics uh, in general, but there could be a bunch of other things. And, you know, people are people, people, you know, are sensitive to different things. And so this is like, this is one of those things where you just have to be very clear and upfront, especially like if you plan to play with a group for a long time, like, uh, you know, like a longer campaign or any length of campaign, honestly, like, the earlier you are clear about this, the better. Yeah. It's just like, hey, such and such topic, you know, we're not bringing this up or we're not discussing this. Or, you know, mm-hmm. this topic, it's like, eh, I'm not super comfortable with. Let's mm-hmm. not go too deep into this topic. And yeah. Things yeah. Like that. I think the classic example is phobias. Yeah. If you have a player who is deathly afraid of spiders and does not want spiders in their <laughs> tabletop role-playing game, maybe instead of throwing spiders at them, Change it to literally any other creature. It's a very simple thing, but this applies to basically any topic that uh, your players might be uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Sexual content is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how explicit do you want to be? Do you want it not included at all? Yeah. It's up to you and your group. I would suggest if you are newer to the group or playing with people that you haven't played with before, this is a really valuable conversation to have. And then as you play with the same people over and over and more and more, mm-hmm. those begin to blur a, a little bit. So it's important to yeah. continue having these conversations. But once you're comfortable with a group and everyone kind of knows everyone uh, all of the boundaries, it just kind of builds over time. Yeah, right? yeah. Like that's the thing with like a lot of uh, people play with like you know friends, and mm-hmm. so you're you would already probably know such band- boundaries with friends, but you know you might not be yeah, playing with people. You, you might not. And one thing is like it's important to bring that up, even yeah. if it is awkward yeah. at the very start. Like, don't get me wrong, a lot of this stuff, especially sensitive topics, can be very awkward, and you might not want to talk about it even when you're bringing it up. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I don't want any sort of like sexual content in this, and you, you might be a little bit like, hey, please don't ask why, you know, and that's fine. It's <laughs> It's respect is the main sort of uh, thing that you should keep in mind. It's just be respectful. You know, we're all here to have a good time. You know, respect people's boundaries. And And there is a variety of established and well-known online resources and tools that kind of let players and game masters have that conversation or be able to have it in a more fluid or otherwise uh, effectual way. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the, the X card rule slash system uh, where uh, every player at a table has this card that has an X on one side. It's like a veto sort of a, thing. Kind of a veto, exactly. Uh, where if a topic comes up or it gets close or a player's feeling uncomfortable, the you know show the the other side of the card and uh that kind of like gives the game master and everyone at the table kind of like a you cue know. you know it's yeah. like okay let's wrap this up let's try to avoid this and just keep going that's one mm-hmm. uh, system another one is is something that you would establish in the session zero yeah. uh lines and veils lines being you are not going past this you are not venturing in this territory mm-hmm. and veils being this is something that can occur in the game but isn't necessarily going to be explicitly mentioned. So uh, a line, like, let's say uh, someone is extremely uncomfortable with the notion of torture, 
Right. Uh, that is a line, and the line means that, you know, it is not acknowledged in the game. It is not that the, the worst enemies will not do this because mm-hmm. it's just not, it's a topic that doesn't want to be broached. Yeah. But a veil is something that the player is still, you know, uncomfortable with it, but they are, they are, they acknowledge that it is something that they feel is appropriate for the story. Mm-hmm. And while they don't want it directly mm-hmm. kind of described, described yeah. it is something that happens beyond a veil. It happens off scene. It is, it is cut to black yeah. when that happens. Yeah. It's like with your example of torture, it's like, okay, you know, we torture this person. Like, this is exactly it. It's like, we're going to torture this person for information. This is what you get as information. Don't describe what happens. Exactly, yeah. And, and that. So that's like a veil. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll put, put links to both of those tools and maybe a couple more in mm. the description if any of them are in. Yeah, just speaking to that, we'll provide any sort of resources that we uh, either think are helpful to players in general or just anything we mention that we think might be uh, useful. Yeah, exactly. So communication is a big part of any tabletop role-playing game. And so it's good to, out the gate, establish these boundaries and lines and veils, but also just what you want to be accomplishing with the story, with the campaign, right? How do you want to play it? Do you want to play it a little more serious? Is it going to be a more somber campaign? You know, these are good things to discuss with not only the GM, but also other players. You know, how are we going to broach this? Do we want to be silly about it? Do we want to have some fun? Do we want it to be a lot more serious? You know, what do you want to accomplish with your character when you're coming up with characters, right? Also, these are ongoing discussions. Yeah, like this this isn't just a one-time thing. This is like, you know, just have these ideas and just be, again, open communication. Because in my, uh, the last big campaign, Icewind Dale... Uh, it, at the start in session zero, I was like, all right, this is going to be a gritty, dark, serious campaign. <laughs> uh, and it ended up being far sillier, uh, because as we started playing and like getting into the characters and into the story, it was like, we don't want a bleak story right now. Like, that's just not what everyone was in the mood and the appetite for. And that did cause some problems. Like we yeah. had to change a couple of characters out because Players made characters that were ready for, like, a deep, dark story, and the tone changed and shifted, and so we had to accommodate that. But that's what those conversations are for. You want to be able to adjust so that everyone is having the most fun possible at the table, and if the things that you initially set up aren't the most fun thing, then change it. Yeah, if this is sounding like it's for the Game Master, that is true, because, you know, communication is to a street, but, like... Looking at it as a player advice, it's you should always be, you know, communicating to the group and to your game master about every aspect of the game. Is there something that's been coming up often that you're like, eh, this isn't good? It's are you playing a character that you feel like doesn't fit in, in the story and you want to change it? That's something you could talk about. Uh, maybe it's even positive things like mm-hmm. something happened and you're like, man, I really like I, I like that. I liked how you approached this or I, I like this turn in the story. Uh, that's also things to talk about uh, with that, your GM. That's a great tip for players. <laughs> Tell your GM when you like things. Yeah. They will love you forever. <laughs> and they will do it more. Yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll get yeah. more of the food that you say you like. And also just like even speaking up when things are good or bad, it also kind of helps the other players recognize like, hey, I can also speak up when I'm either uncomfortable <laughs> or I don't like something or I do like something or this is something that I would like to explore more, right? It's just always kind of make make sure there's an environment where it's okay to you know bring up whatever. Yeah, it's it's all about ultimately open communication, especially in tabletop role playing games, is all about managing and expressing and communicating expectations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so the other side to this is when things get a little bit more are like confrontational, right? And there are some things that you know, can be discussed in a more positive aspect, you know, through confrontation, like arguments that might happen either in game or out of game, you know, it could be within game, you know, players having a sort of confrontation. It's good to remember that you guys are still friends, right? You guys are friends outside the game and in the game, there can be confrontation and there just needs to be that understanding in line. Yeah, that your characters are fighting. Exactly. Not the two people at the And table. you can role play and you can get heated. That's fine. Just make sure you all understand that like, hey, we're good guys. Like, 
I mean, yeah. And if you ever find yourself in situations, and this is like fairly common to play with people you're not like super friendly with, like mm-hmm. say uh, they do this all the time, like running tabletop one shots at conventions and stuff, mm-hmm. and you'd be sitting down at a table with like complete strangers. It's still like you know you're still you know a person you know and you know basic courtesy is still a respect, thing. Yeah. yeah, it's like basic respect is a thing. You know, you you're not there to like bash on any of the other players for any reason or like the GM, you know, you're there to enjoy an experience and so are the, the people around you. Yeah. So, you know, that's that's the thing to keep in mind and you know. Definitely. And I think like out of game as well, yeah. When you're talking with the GM about a ruling that you might not agree with, right? That's something that it's okay to have that discussion. It's like, hey, I I, I was under the impression it was instead of, you know, three D six damage, I would get a sneak attack for this you know, something like that. And again, it's fine to have those discussions, but you kind of want to be respectful, enter these discussions in good faith, you know, try to follow the rules. If something's not working, you know, and you're at an impasse or something like that in the discussion, my general advice is to agree with the GM's ruling in the moment. You guys can talk about it later if that's something that you guys need to keep discussing and just don't let it affect the story because it's not just you. It's the rest of the party, right? It's the rest of your players that are going to be participating. And so it's not only, I guess, a lot of what we're talking about is not only for the players, it's also for the GM, who's also a sort of player in the game, right? So we'll, we'll probably have a episode where we're going to be talking about being a good GM. And a lot of this stuff, we'll be approaching it from that sort of perspective. But But I think you make a really good point of, if if the GM does something that you disagree with, mm-hmm. and you're like, I don't think the rules work that way, you can bring it up, but don't argue about rules in the middle of the game. Yeah. I don't think that's a particularly healthy thing. You can say to the GM, like, hey, I think it works this way. But in-game, your GM has the final say. Yeah. And if you want to have those like longer, drawn-out, getting all of the books and documents <laughs> out... Uh, like rules discussions with your GM, do that outside of the game. Because if it's just you and the GM arguing for half an hour about how you think a rule (laughs) should work, then everyone else at the table is kind of just sitting there being like, ooh, yeah, I love love this. Yeah, don't (laughs) rules lawyer (laughs) in-game. Yeah, and and it's not just the other people. And then you and the GM have spent half an hour doing nothing but arguing. I don't think that makes a fun experience either. Especially if you're playing once every two weeks, right? Like, And and sometimes it doesn't even... Those kinds of arguments might not even arise from, like, a rules discussion. It could be a setting discussion. Like, that's not what those are. This isn't what, you know elves do in this setting like that's not what that well it, the game master is, is kind of hit he's yeah. making the world and um exactly and speaking to that point the game master isn't perfect they don't know everything obviously like i think <laughs> recently i kind of fell victim to doing that during a recent campaign um where i kind of had an argument about a ruling and i brought it up and i was Kind of like sticking my feet in the mud, and I feel a little bit bad about it. But I we didn't were arguing like about physics, and yeah. he's a physics major. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't think that's how it works. Like you wouldn't. And I, I caught myself like drawing diagrams, <laughs> and then I was like, I'm not going to show this. Like, what am I doing? Like, yeah. we're here to have fun. Like, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. Like, if you can take these kinds of arguments and make them like mm-hmm. a, f- a, a a fun experience, and maybe it's not all. <laughs> Bad. No, I just and, and 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 in hindsight, a lot of these things aren't like a detrimental death blow to the friendship that you've no. made at the table. And some of them come back as jokes, like the intricate complexity of wooden sleds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is a reference to one of our uh, campaigns, uh, I, I which Ennis was the GM for. <laughs> I don't know what you guys strange are ruling. <laughs> I don't know what you I guys can, are talking I can, about. I can make a grenade in five seconds, but a wooden sled? Hours. 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 <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Sleds are the epitome of human an engineering, okay? <laughs> a basic wooden sled. Uh, I was sending Ennis pictures of sleds for weeks. <laughs> Just look at how beautiful this is. <laughs> Intricate the design is. So incredibly complex. 
a slab of wood it's, with it's, cheese attached to it. It's, it's simplicity is actually deceptive. It's actually quite a complex piece of engineering. But but, but the point being that you know these these the point being is fuck ass. <laughs> no no the, the point the GM you're always right. Yeah the, the argue as much as you can if you can make him fully like give up. That's how you know you've won. No that's how you're winning D and D. The the point being that that these these confrontations oftentimes in the moment may seem heated, uh, difficult, uh, detrimental to to relationships of the interpersonal kind, but uh, ultimately. If you can kind of like acknowledge uh, everyone is a person, everyone looks at it a different way. There were reasons why Annis in that situation was viewing a sled at, in a certain way that, in my view, didn't quite uh, align with the complexity or simplicity of that item. There were reasons for it. Yeah. Uh, if you can like getting past it, communicating yeah. past it, it all becomes kind of like in jokes. It all yeah. becomes like. If you can get past it, it's it adds to kind of like the group's yeah. uh, cohesion and camaraderie. That joke is going to last for years. Yeah. The important thing is like in the moment to move on from it and not be better. Try not to. I mean, yeah. we're not perfect. I mean, sometimes it can get a little bit like, you know, annoying. And you just got to learn to like, okay, this was just... What, what we, were arguing, we were arguing about a silly rule in a... <laughs> yeah, you're not arguing about a rule in a game. game. Like, come on. Like, the GM has final final say, like, realistically. Yeah. Make a, make a quick, fast ruling, move on, talk about it out of game. Because yeah. nobody likes just sitting down and rules lawyering in the middle of a session. Now, now I kind of want... To like design an RPG where all the players play rules lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the most convoluted game. No, it's super simple. Lawyers Inc. <laughs> just... Next episode, Lawyers Inc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another piece of advice we have to be a good player uh, at your table is take notes when you can. You know, it doesn't have to be all the time. It doesn't have to be super detailed. You know, you're not in there uh, taking a. a important class or something that you have to you're be quick. study this. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be, you know, it's, this is not going to be an exam later that determines your future. Okay, but you know. And in the, the game. Yeah. <laughs> the GM still puts a decent amount of uh, effort into the campaign and something that happens in, in game might be like influential for your character and so you as a player might want to remember it. Mm -hmm. And so being able to take notes or write something down uh, is useful for being that character. For example, mm -hmm. this happens often when it's like players will play a character it's like, you know, this character has like really good memory or like in many settings, maybe like a perfect me memory or what have you. You, the player, you don't have perfect memory. I'm sorry to say entropy <laughs> gets us all. <laughs> but what you can do is write it down. Though. Yes, what you can do is write it down. Like, you know, you can write it down in your own notes uh, now, you know, with the pandemic and a lot of people playing online. Like, you know, you have that general chat uh, for, like, in your, your dis Discord, in yeah. your Discord or whatever other app you're using. You could just type stuff down there and then in a later session you'll remember it. Or, like, you know, it's... I feel like the most often useful things, either as a player for me to write down or I see that other players write down, it's like, oh, this is useful, mm. is the names of things. Yeah. Because that's like an easy thing to forget, like the name of a character mm. or a place or what have you. Yeah. That's like and I, I want to just, in, in terms of taking notes, yeah. as someone who GMs quite a lot, I definitely fall into the pit trap mm. of I have my notes mm. of what I have and I rely on my players to take notes of what I've told them because I don't remember what I tell the players. <laughs> I think, and, and, yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry. I, I was just going to say, I think it's great because taking notes as a player is great for not only the GM who's like, good, you remember, you know? It's like, you can see the thread I'm building here in the story. And it's like, it's satisfying for the GM, but it's also really satisfying for you, the player, and the rest of the players. They're like, oh, right. And, you know, if they didn't write it down, you know, because you don't have to write down everything, just... Maybe the more important stuff or stuff that's important to your character. And once you remember that, it makes it a lot more engaging for everyone, right? It's that sort of, oh, this relates back to this thing. And everybody's like, oh, cool. And kind of sees the 
overarching story that the GM is building in the world, it adds some depth to it when you can, you know, have that memory. Because in person, you know, these might be weeks between sessions where you're not going to remember this sort of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, in game, yeah. that just happened a couple yeah. minutes for, ago. For the character, it's like, well, this happened five minutes ago and I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, I also find something that I write down that I don't see a lot of people know is my character's personal goals and also the party's goals. I really like having those just like at the top of my notes, like these are the things that my character like wants to do. And then this is what the, I want the party to do. And so when I'm trying to figure out what I want to do next, it's like, well, can I do anything that'll help me advance uh, either of these goals? And they can, they don't have to be like super serious plot relevant things. Like, uh, one of my characters in our Shadowrun campaign, one of his big goals was to kill the ladies of the night. <laughs> Which... <laughs> might need to explain there, that. There's one. context there. There's context that is missing. He, he was told uh, that at some point uh, there was a, a an evil creature uh, as we were trying to... He dissuade was, him. He was a very naive he, character and we tried yeah. to dissuade him from engaging in prostitution for his own sake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so he was warned against ladies of the night and got it in his head that these were like a dangerous evil that he needed to combat uh, because he was like a very like noble, heroic, uh, big idiot. Uh, so when I was out there making decisions, I'm like, I should find the ladies of the night. Uh, <laughs> and you know, that's just fun. <laughs> but I never would have remembered that. Like, between sessions if yeah. I didn't like randomly in that moment in the middle of a joke make a note like kill all the ladies of the night it's like <laughs> yeah. and from fun. that at that moment forward every time it was mentioned we like because Chris kind of like wrote it down and made it a big part of like the story of his character at that moment every time it was mentioned and he reacted to it the rest of the party was like oh shit okay <laughs> no no distract him he can't don't kill innocent people. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. As a GM, I had to stop referring to characters as anything related to that. Like, whether they have an alias or what have you, it couldn't have lady, it couldn't have of the, and night. Like, it can't have two of those three. So, notes, very nice. You'll appreciate it. Other players will appreciate it. The GM will appreciate it. Uh, another thing to keep in mind... To be a good player uh, is metagaming. Uh, Do it all the time. Well, first, <clears throat> what is metagaming? Yeah, what let's, is? Let's, what? let's describe this. What is metagaming? <laughs> metagaming is using knowledge you have that you, the player, have that your character might not have to influence the decisions of your character. I feel like that's like a fair like catch-all for metagaming. Influence the decisions of your character, or benefit your character or the goals that you have in in the game yeah i feel like just just influence the story with what s stuff that is not in the story stuff that you know on the outside for example i know that caleb would never introduce a lady of the knights into his campaign and so i remove that from decision making even if that's like you know uh, a logical step yeah. or it's like yeah, you make a good sorry. A, yeah. a good example is like, say during combat, right? You have one character split up from the party, mm -hmm. and they're off doing their own thing, and you're fighting a different fight. But they learn that all of these, you know, enemies they're fighting are actually undead, even though the GM's kind of masked it. And then that character away from the party that found out this information, mm -hmm. you know, that's that's only that character that would know that, unless they have some way of communicating. But in this example, you know, they don't. They don't, right? And so if the players, apart from that player, you know, start using turn undead or whatever sort of spells specifically directed towards that type of enemy, that would be an example of metagaming, right? Or or let's say your GM in his own custom setting it gets a lot of influence from a particular video game, and he hides it well enough, but then the hints get, like, pushed more and more and more, and then everyone kind of catches on to what video game it is. If you know that video game, and you use that out-of-game knowledge to influence how you interact with the setting, well, then that's also metagaming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
This, it, that was a targeted strike against Dennis. Yeah, as that's well. awesome. <laughs> Today's just all targeted strikes against Dennis. <laughs> we got a lot more advice to cover, and boy, is there a lot more strikes against Dennis coming. Uh, another popular example of metagaming that uh, that I was going to mention is dice rolling. Uh, often, like in game, your character, like when they're trying to do something, they're trying their best to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a player will often, like after they roll and see the result, they'll influence what your char- what the character's thinking about that mm-hmm. thing. So, for example, it's like I wanna, I was gonna, you know, try this jump. For example, they roll, they roll low. They were like, I didn't put my all into it. It's like, well, you probably did. You just failed. Yeah. That's yeah, you, that's not the same as yeah. like, yeah, you you would have. You just mm-hmm. failed, and so that's like things you know as a player. Yeah, influencing your decisions. There's also like you roll terribly to find traps and the GM's like, nope, no traps here. And you're like, oh God. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. then you're like, okay, I'm just going to be careful now. It's like, well, no, you, you didn't really know that. Yeah, you, your you character, think, thinks, your character it's thinks it's safe. Yeah. There's no traps, right? Yeah. That, that's a, that's a, I feel like probably the most common metagaming. Yeah. It's like stuff like that with perception and like mm-hmm. insight. Yeah. yeah. So, so in general, play using information that your character knows. Exactly. Do you guys think there are any cases where metagaming can be used for good? So I think, I think in general, metagaming is, it's going to happen. I think it's unavoidable. It's going to happen. You can mitigate it. You can try your best to not let it influence your decisions. I think it's going to happen. And I think there's even a good in story, in game explanation for it. Like, say you've been partying with this, or sorry, adventuring with your party for months, you have, like, maybe an innate sort of understanding of their tendencies, of their knacks, all that sort of stuff. So that's one way that metagaming can kind of be explained in-game. I'm not saying do it and, like, use that as an explanation. I'm just saying when it happens, like, it's not always that... uh, Catastrophic. Catastrophic. And... I think also some players might run into the trap of, I really don't want a metagame, so they'll maybe do something out of character because they know this is information they learned out of game rather than as their character. So I don't think it's an end-all be-all if you start metagaming. Just try to limit it and try to be true to your character and the knowledge that they have. Uh, uh, see, I I kind of enjoy a, a light metagaming mm-hmm. when... I think I can see what direction the GM wants to go with things and like, oh, I think mm. the GM has set this up or like has this trap here or, you know, <laughs> it wants this thing to happen. So if I'm metagaming, I could say, okay, well, I think this is going to happen. I'll, let's go around it. But I could also metagame the other way and be like, okay, well, let's steer us into the GM's plans a little bit mm. because hey, if that's not out of character that I could do that, it's like, well, let's let's push us in a direction that is moving the session forwards and, like, helping us get in the direction that's good for the story. Yeah. So a little bit of metagaming, I think, can be fine. That is, you're, you're mm-hmm. asking about useful metagaming, that, you know, the setting a direction for the story or, like, you know, pushing uh, players in a, uh, in a certain direction is the, like... The, the example that came to my head and like even like even might be a tool for GMs to use to just be like hey this is out of game I know this isn't uh, what uh, what you were going towards but I want us to go in this direction so let's go in this direction and that is like you would be metagaming you'd be you yeah. the players deciding <laughs> all the characters are going in this direction yeah because of something from outside the game but in that uh situation i feel like it's useful and that kind of ties back all all back around to this is a collective storytelling experience mm-hmm. and sometimes metagaming can be good in the sense that you are saying this would make a more interesting story mm-hmm. this would make a more fun experience this would be better for everyone it, it all boils down to that right mm-hmm. as if this is beneficial in terms of hey this is how we're gonna have the most fun and everybody's okay with it that's something that you guys need to discuss. Communicate. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And I think one thing, just last sort of idea on metagaming, mm-hmm. it's going to happen, right? You're going to learn information from the GM or from the world. You're going to have that information. And 
you know, it's on you as a player to, you know, just be vigilant. Yeah. If you're going to use it, use it to make a more interesting story. Yeah. Because, like, I, as a GM, use metagaming a little bit. Like, I will give my players some metagame information to be like, hey... I want you to do this thing. Like, last night, I really needed Caleb's character to be in a very specific place. And I was like, this is a scene that's going to happen. You're going to get information that's going to lead you somewhere. Like, I need you to go there (laughs) immediately, or people might die. And so it's like, oh, okay, yes, I'll use this metagame information instead of just going from there, right? People might die in the game, I assume. Who knows? (laughs) In-game, (laughs) in-game. In-game. And so, yeah. The next piece of advice we have for uh, how to be a good player is... And it, this is the theme for the next few pieces of advice, them all being uh, in-game. You know, about you. You know when you're playing the character, the first one is, don't hog the spotlight. Unfortunately, humans have the imperfection of, you can't pay attention to multiple people talking at once. And so there's only ever one person talking at, at, at once. And so... That's kind of what the spotlight is. It's the yeah. person that's currently like describing something or engaging in something or yeah, uh, the, pushing forward a story. The main story. person interacting with the world and you know saying what they're doing, sort of thing. And this kind of goes back. It harkens back to what we initially talked about in the at the beginning, where we're discussing that we want to have a collective storytelling experience, right? So that involves everybody participating and sure sometimes a scene might fully focus on one character it might just be that character's sort of coming of age moment or something like that and it you know that person definitely should get the spotlight for most of that that doesn't mean they're the only player and as another player you kind of want to let that player fully shine in this moment it's it's their character's moment and you don't want to be you know, trampling over it with, oh, I think this, I think that, let's do this. And it's mostly that character that is, you know, trying to... Uh, yeah. The, the story's focused around that character in that moment. Exactly. And you just got to let that naturally evolve. Yeah. yeah. And if you can, I think a really good thing uh, to do is give scenes to other players. Like, try and set someone else up to do a cool thing or get their own big moment. Um, especially if you have players that like aren't as engaged or aren't as good at like taking the spotlight for themselves, making sure you bring them into the story and be like, "Hey, your character, I really need your help with this thing. Yeah. Can you do this for me? Like, do you, I I really need help here." Mm-hmm. And going and asking and making sure that other players are involved, I think that's a really great thing to do. Yeah. That's something that you can do as a player, definitely. Mm-hmm. Every character shouldn't be able to do everything. So when something comes up and it's like, oh, that's my friend's play- character. Like, they're great at this. Come here. or Do it. Yeah. Um, the, another thing about the spotlight is there are... And, and again, everyone's a person at the table. Everyone, you know, struggles in certain ways. Um, one thing about the spotlight and in terms of, like, being a good player in relation to your game master is that... If you notice that your game master is struggling to get the story moving forward and he has a spotlight and no one takes it, it's okay to take that spotlight. It's okay to say, I am going to be an active character here. It it, it would help the GM a lot and it will help the game a lot. Don't don't let the spotlight be empty. Yeah, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, just about the different types of people getting involved some people might not be as comfortable, and that's fine. But again, as Chris was saying, you know, trying to drag them in like, hey, I need your help with this, and just trying to introduce them and let them take it and run with it at points. I mean, I think this is definitely a point personally that I need to work on is, I don't know, I <laughs> I sometimes do take up the spotlight, and I, I try to ease off that a little bit as I play um, more recently. I have a problem with this because I love playing tanks, mm. and so half of my sessions I'm unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> well, when so you... like I'll go do big cool things and like ah I'm doing this, and it's like he's out. <laughs> it's like okay, well everyone else deal with this now. 
<laughs> yes, Annas? <laughs> you got you... All I could think now, I'm... it's lucky that Shadowrun, especially 5th edition, has an awakened spell. <laughs> <laughs> to write a kind of like... Yeah, to kind of like wake up your tech characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we just got that. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and I guess, I guess naturally another an evolution of this topic involves art like role playing rping as yeah. it's commonly referred to different tables are going to have different levels of expected role play um, some tables don't really care about role play at all they're just hey we're going to go dungeon delving and we're just about combat and rolling dice and like having that crunchy experience and that's fine and that's fine uh, but you need to be able to, like, adjust to whatever level of role-playing is at your table. And I think I think you should at least have some. Uh, and there's there's a few good ways of doing that. By the minimum, try not to use, uh, char- like, player names at the table. If yeah. I'm at a table with Caleb, I try my best to say his character's names yeah, instead exactly. of Caleb. Yeah, exactly. It just helps keep everybody immersed in the story. I know, personally... Well, even just around our, you know, group that we usually play with, I think we are more uh, narrative-driven sort of players and GMs where we do like to fully tell a story instead of, you know, fully go by the numbers and super crunchy. So I think that's a a part where we kind of appreciate when we do fully delve into the characters and you're playing a character. It's That's what we're talking about when we're talking about role-playing game. You're, you're playing a character. You are adopting someone that's not yourself. And when you make decisions with your own sort of uh, decision-making in mind rather than your characters, it can sometimes break the immersiveness and it's a little bit harder. I mean, it's it's fine. Like, that's going to happen. But I think a good thing to do is to always, like Chris said earlier, is to have your motivations on your character sheet, for example, and that way you kind of know what your character's about and how they would interact with different situations. Uh, on the name thing, I feel like also, like, trying to refer to players by the ca- character name is very also, is very useful for delineating between, like, when you're speaking to someone outside the game yeah. or in the game. When you're like, if I'm like, hey, Caleb, pass me that thing, versus when I'm like, hey, character name pass me that thing, it's clear which one it's like, hey, at the table in real life I want you to pass me something, or I'm talking about something in the game. Yeah, and there's sometimes it's a little bit, you know, a little bit hand-wavy. You know, like in combat, Mm -hmm. say Chris has a character named Korok, and I'm I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna wait uh, Korok to attack, and then, you know, something like that, rather than I'm gonna wait till Chris attacks. Mm -hmm. You know, it just helps kind of keep everybody in the in this session. And I think sometimes it's harder for new players to really roleplay, especially if you're new to roleplaying in general. It can feel a little bit awkward sometimes to adopt a completely different character than yourself. Some tips I have for that is, one, you can place a character similar to yourself, that's fine. Or two, if you want to play somebody different than yourself and how you, you know, think about things, then Maybe adopting a voice, it helps you kind of immerse yourself. I like doing that uh, personally to help me. Uh, campaign we just uh, started and played last night, I gave my character a fun voice mm-hmm. that definitely makes everybody know that I'm my character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Another tip that I might have here, mm-hmm. uh, and this goes to character creation and conceptualization, is if you're new, or even if you're not, uh, when you're making a character... Uh, one thing that can help you both play them or role play them or get into that role better, but also differentiate them from just being yourself is take an aspect of yourself and accentuate it. Make it, make it blow it up. Make it, make it bigger. Make it more, uh, central to their interactions. Uh, because if you have kind of like a basis of a character as being, you know, you, but extreme, then that kind of like, lets you slide into that role much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and the inverse is also kind of true. If, if you want to play a character that is different from yourself, but you don't want it to be 
you know, based off yourself entirely. Take an aspect of yourself that is, is you know, any kind of really aspect and do the inverse. Yeah, if, be more reserved in that aspect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a really good example of that because uh, in in one of the games we play, I, I decided my character is obsessed with trying to keep the party alive and and keep everyone safe. Like number one priority at all times is what can I do to stop all these idiots from getting themselves killed? And it's really helpful for what am I doing in any given moment? Am I making a deal with a devil? Yes. <laughs> Power is important. I can now help kill monsters more effectively. Like, that's a great choice. Uh, he, does, he does mean idiots affectionate. Oh, yeah, affectionately. I, I love them all, but they cause me a lot of anxiety in the game. Uh, but but that, that's the type of thing we're talking about. It's just find something that's very important to your character, uh, a, like a character trait, and make it extreme. Make it like, yeah. this is the most important thing to me. And it really helps frame your decision making in a way that's separate from the way you would normally think about it. And it's good to have the understanding of not only yourself, but other players. Is mm -hmm. you're, all you're all playing characters. Yeah. These are not you making these decisions. These are your characters. So it's good to kind of take things with a grain of salt and don't be like, I can't believe they did that. Their character did that. Chill out, you know? In game, you can be like, I can't yeah, believe Yeah, exactly. They did that. In game, yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's where our voice helps. You could tell if it's in game or not. Exactly. See? That's uh, another did, way. Did Korok really do that? <laughs> I believe he did. Hmm. <laughs> One thing that I kind of want to mention that um, kind of ties in with taking notes is mm -hmm. being engaged in the story. I think that's something that's that can really help. I know it's sometimes sessions can last multiple hours and it can be hard to fully stay engaged, especially if your character's not involved in that moment. Uh, again, my recommendations are, you know, try to get your character involved. You know, you don't need to just butt in sideways to whatever, but be present. It's not, it's again, sharing the spotlight and, you know, letting other characters you know, be in the moment, but it's good to try to stay engaged with the story because if it's just you and the GM speaking and nobody else is really paying attention, it can kind of feel a little bit not great, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're not the main character of the, you know, moment, then just, you know, try to try to stay engaged in the story. Maybe, you know, crosstalk is fine. Yeah, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, well, I mean, like, uh, this is a thing that uh, I do all the time with other players is, like, you know, uh, the one player has the spotlight. They're doing a thing, but, you know, everyone else is still engaged uh, uh, in what they're doing and will give them suggestions. They're like, mm -hmm. you know, like, I think your character would do this in this moment or, you know, uh, I think this is an appropriate decision for your character to come to or this. Don't forget that this is a piece of information your character knows. And that's something you're telling them out of game. That in-game their character would know, but this is still you being engaged. Or even you just reacting to things as, like, yeah. as a player that's not even like involved in it. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just makes everybody feel better. And yeah. It's like, yeah, that was sick. You know? yeah. or, or, or sitting there in dread like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they're doing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it makes it more fun when it's not just everyone takes their turn mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, I'm speaking now. Everyone else is quiet. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, just going in order... That having that interaction between everyone cares about what everyone else is doing makes it a lot more fun. Mm -hmm. Again, I mean, just with this and with everything else we're saying, nobody's perfect. You're not always going to be engaged. You're not always going to be taking notes. You know, you're not always going to remember everything, right? So mm. it's, you know, just try. Try to make yeah. an effort in some of these things, and this will help you become a better player. Speaking yeah. of making an effort... Know the rules of the game, please. <laughs> As a favor to all of your GMs, please know what is on your character sheet. Know how your abilities work. And don't make those rules discussions happen in the middle of combat when you get to your turn. And you're like, one sec, let me read all of my abilities. That's not the time for that. Yeah. Uh, I will kill you. Know how... <laughs> as a GM, as, as in a game, GM. In game. <laughs> uh, yeah, just make sure that you have a solid grasp and of what your character is capable of. And if you have questions or concerns, do that 
out of game so that when you're in these stressful situations and when you need to use your abilities, you can just use them confidently, right? Mm. And and this is this isn't to say that, you know, you're a brand new player to the game, you should know everything immediately. No, no, no that's not that's not what I mean. It's the more you play a game, the more you play a character, the more you're in a group uh, session one, session two, session three, etc. The more familiar you should be able to be with your own like character, character yeah. abilities, etc. Yeah. And and it's kind of it's a feel bad moment when it's like session fifteen and everyone else at the table knows exactly how their characters work. The GM's plate is filled with telling the story, knowing the rules mechanics, doing everything else. And then everyone else also has to know how your character works because you haven't taken the time to learn it. Uh, If it's session one, no one, yeah. no one knows necessarily. It's it's brand new. Especially as a new player, like, yeah, you're not going to know everything, especially like, yeah, know your character up at like what you can do. You don't need Mm -hmm. to know all of your character's abilities down the line. You don't even need to know everything about the system at the start, right? Like, People are going to make mistakes. You're going to learn the system. But when it gets a little bit deeper in and you're always looking at the same stuff, it can be a little bit draining and taxing on both the rest of the players and the GM when it's like everybody knows how magic works and they're not the magic users, right? You're the only magic user and you still don't know. As a GM and even as a player with other players, what I kind of expect is that the players you know know any rules specific to their character and know any basic rules of the game mm-hmm. and then other than that i just expect that they know that a rule exists and they can find it yeah. like uh, if a uh, if uh, you know i'm running shadowrun which we spoke about uh, recently uh, and a player's a you know driver they're, they drive vehicles. I don't expect them to know all the nitty gritty rules, but they, you know, there are they have to know that there are rules about ramming people with a car and where to find that in the book. And so that if they decide I want to ram someone, they can find that, and that way they, they have the rules easily about that. Yeah. Uh, when I talk about basic rules, uh, it's like stuff like if I tell the player. And chatter on again. I'm using roll that to as an hide. Yeah, you know, if I'm like roll perception plus intuition, and they're like, if this is session one and they haven't played chatter on before, and they tell me, uh, like, how do I do that? I'm like, okay, that's you know this number plus this number. That's how many six sided dice you roll. Yeah. I expect a player to know that. Like, if it's session one, then I'm like, I'd be a little bit lenient with that. But like session two onwards. You have to know that the the system we're playing uses only six sided dice, and you're figuring out this number, yeah. and that's what you're rolling. And what to count as successes? Yeah, what to count as successes? What's a glitch? What have you? That's like very basic rules of like the game. You know, yeah. in D and D, you're rolling a d twenty, yeah. uh, and you're adding like you have a modifier. You're looking for that. You're adding it. That's a yeah. basic rule. Yeah, and something like that when you're when you're figuring out, for example, what you want to do and Say you don't know it off the top of your head. For example, in combat, you typically have plenty of time to decide what your character does. While other players are making their turns, of course, the battlefield is ever-changing in most combat situations. So you don't have to have everything planned out. Just a general idea of what you might want to do and the mechanics behind it as well. And get that stuff ready. But again, like... If something happens, it completely changes the battlefield and what you were going to do, then that's fine. But if you're doing it every single time and not much has changed, and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do, try to think about that stuff beforehand. That'll help the story move faster, combat not last as long, if because sometimes it can last a while. Yeah. Um, the time that other players are doing things is not, ooh, time to look at my phone. It is yeah. time to think about what you should be doing yeah. In this story, and like, hey, what can I do to help this? Yeah, exactly. Stay engaged. Yeah, right. Stay engaged. And another thing is, if Never your married. character, <laughs> if you, uh, if you're not, if you're a little intimidated by playing a complicated character that has like a bunch, maybe they're a mage or spellcaster that has a whole bunch of different mechanics they ought to remember. Maybe don't play that sort of character, or come up with you know, a cheat sheet or a flow chart or something that'll help you when the time comes, remember what to do. 
it's okay to also just play a more straightforward character that just, you know, hits things like a barbarian or something like that in D&D. That can still be a really fun character. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have fun because you're playing a more basic type character. Um, One piece of advice that I got for playing really complex characters is have a panic move. Like, in, in certain situations, like, if I'm in danger, this is what my character would do if they're panicking. Like, this is my... Fight or flight response. Yeah, this is my immediate <laughs> response if yeah. you as the player don't know what to do. It's like, oh, I'm a wizard. I have all of these spells. What do I do? I'm going to cast Fireball. Like, <laughs> everything else out the window, if you don't know what to do, just cast Fireball. That just probably fireball. will so- solve the problem. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's my panic situation. So just having, like you said, the cheat sheets of, hey, this is my bread and butter. This is, like, the basic thing I can always do if I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's great to have. Yeah. And I mean, like, don't feel bad if you forget some stuff about your character. It happens all the time. Like, you know, you're, you know, 10 sessions in and then you look over and you're like, wait a minute, my character can do this. Mm -hmm. I haven't been using it this whole time. You know, that's fine. You know, none of us are perfect, but you know, don't get into the habit of like forgetting everything every time, you know, have have a bit of an idea of what, Mm -hmm. uh, of what you could do, what your abilities are. And if you do forget, don't worry, you might get a bingo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, the last few pieces of advice we have is just stuff that I, I feel like you could be a good player without this, but this is like... If you want to be a top tier player. Yeah, this is like, the, <laughs> you know, the, the most helpful you can be for a GM. Like, like this is the kind of stuff that if if you are like this, it, it'll make things easier or more fun for a GM, you know, give the GM more tools, more gifts. Yeah, how how to make your GM love you. And if you are at my table, my favorite thing that you can do is being a conspiracy theorist about the plot. When the players take time to sit down and are being like, "Oh my god, I think the big bad guy is trying to turn everyone into zombies." It's like I, I love that you are, like, thinking about the plot and that you are not only thinking about it, but telling other players about it and, like, trying to figure it out in front of me. Because even if you're wrong, I can then figure out what are you picking up on? Mm-hmm. Where are you being steered wrong? Like, what what are you getting wrong about it? And also, if they have a better idea... And it's like, that's so much better than what I planned. Yeah. I can be like, yeah, absolutely, that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah, you're I right. I planned that's this all along. I planned that all along. I am a genius. I think we, we did a lot of that last night, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's great. It's really nice for your GM to know either that their plots are, are working and people are understanding what's happening, or if people don't really haven't figured out what's happening then they can either use that as new material or use it to help redirect the plot back in the proper direction. So that just always brings me lots of joy. So I try to do it all of the time. (laughs) The phrase, find out in game. (laughs) (laughs) Strikes fears in players' hearts. (laughs) It strikes fear in players' hearts. It's also the tool for a GM to be like, I haven't made a decision one way or another. (laughs) It feels like that phrase... I know it's used by everybody, but it, just how often we hear it in our games, it feels like we invented it almost, you know? <laughs> it's like, find out in game. It's like, uh. that, That's how you know you're asking the right questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, at le- or at least forcing your GM to think about those. <laughs> um, what, another gift you can have for your game master is making your character not perfect. Giving your character faults that that they can kind of exploit for for plot reasons for for engagement reasons for story reasons or to kind of like drive out role play from their players mm-hmm. uh, a game master wants you to engage with a story and if you're if you make a quote unquote perfect character they don't have flaws they're a mary sue they can do everything great it's not fun for you but it's also not fun for your game master. How how can they engage with you when you your character has no faults? Right. We're talking about like gifts for the GM, but I also think this is just gifts for your yourself, just being able to play a character like this and gifts for the rest of the party to, you know, either 
help with this or engage with this or, you know, deal with the ramifications of something like mm-hmm. this. It makes for a more interesting story. Like, uh, 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 for example, in, in, in Ennis's Shadowrun campaign, I, for one, my character was an, an uh, alcoholic addict and, and that, that flaw played into a lot of their actions and technically still does because while they're no longer an addict, they do like jump at the opportunity to administer drugs to the rest of the players. (laughs) And that has created a variety of circumstances, which I think are very fun and very funny. Yeah. Yeah, and, And like, you know, we're talking about like the character being perfect, even if it's not a perfect character, like think of, imagine this character character has no flaws and it's not outstanding in any way. Is that the character that you want engaged in a story? Like, if this were a book that you were reading, would you read a book about that character that's, like, n- nothing interesting about them and no-, no faults in them? Yeah, like, you don't oh, want really. a character that has ten in everything and that's just the character, you know? Yeah. You want them to, to have be good in some re- areas, yeah. be bad in some areas, and you know, fully explore the ramifications of that. When you're making your character, the way I like to imagine it is you want to just give as much ammo to your GM as possible. Like, oh yeah, I have a kid and a significant other that you could murder and like, <laughs> or, or capture wow. or like whatever. Like, I have this debilitating flaw. I'm way too trusting. Like, yep. and just, just keep loading the gun. Give your GM as many tools to create challenges and interesting scenarios for your character that will get you more engaged. That's the thing. Interesting story comes from challenges. And overcoming them or failing. Or failing at it, yeah. And that's another character development sort of thing. And Like, yeah, I I fully have experienced that in my own characters as well. And so I can confirm, I can attest to that being definitely the case. Yeah. Uh, speaking of giving more ammo to your GM, I feel like the, the this is a very nice gift to give to your GM is leave some ambiguity in your uh, in the character, like especially when you're looking like typically you'll set up some kind of backstory for your character. The more stringent you are about it, the less room the you know, the game master has to incorporate it yeah. into stuff. If you're like, my character has to have done this in the past and has to have like all these very specific things, it might be hard to bring up in game. But if you're like, my character was betrayed, you know, betrayed by someone and that's it. Yeah. There's a lot of room for the GM to insert who that someone is and mm-hmm. what, uh, like, you know, what kind of betrayal it was and what that betrayal led to. Sometimes these are discussions that the GM will have with the players. Like, hey, I want to do this with your character. Are you okay yeah. with it? Yeah. And they don't need to be fully explicit about exactly. It's like, hey, this character is vague. I kind of want to play with that. And they're like, yep, perfect. I mean, there are... You don't want to be going to a campaign writing a 50-page novella of your backstory, right? Because... Mm-hmm. I mean, the GM might read it and have fun with it, but it's not going to be, for the most part, like, it's not going to be good for the story if you Mm -hmm. do something like that. Yeah. Have a conversation with your GM. Give them, like, hooks for your character to be, like, more invested. Yeah, it'll help you, right, as a player. Helps you get into things, and it also gives your GM an idea of, like, oh, if I introduce, you know this mustache twirling bad guy, like nobody really gives a crap. But if they introduce mustache twirling bad guy for, you know, most of the players and one of them's like, you killed my family. It's like, Oh my, like suddenly that's a far more compelling villain. A lot right? more drama. A lot more one. drama. It's juicy. Yeah. I love that. Don't, he don't, lo- don't relent on the juice. Yeah. He loves a juicy character, especially a juicy villain. <laughs> juicy villain. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, any other, like, big advice that you would give to players, you know, to be a good player at a table? I mean, at the end of this, if the only thing you take from this is, you know, one thing, I say have an open line of communication with the rest of your players and your GM. The other one would be don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. I mean, we'll be a dick. 
<laughs> don't be a dick out of game. Be in an game. asshole in game. Be, a, be an absolute menace in game. Can I say those are the hardest characters to play? <laughs> <laughs> With understanding reasonable players, and then their their character is trying to revive dragons I'm, no, and no. succeeding. See, no, see, trying I'm to trying to do that in Shadowrun, but then everybody keeps looking at me like, oh my god, how yeah. dare you? And I'm like... My character is not good, guys. <laughs> I never claimed to be a good guy. Oh my god, you just killed him. Yeah, like, <laughs> trying to revive dra- uh, dragons is being evil. Like, I have trouble just being rude sometimes. <laughs> just being like, I don't know, like, extra rude to people. It's just like, oh man, I can't. Yeah, I'm I just can't imagining Ennis' character trying to insult the villain. You're a poopy head. Yeah, I, I don't Dorian like you very much. Way ruder than what he ended up being. <laughs> well, I pretty rude. It. I am offended that you tried to kill my brother. I would like to have a discussion about that. <laughs> Maybe we can come to a peaceful resolution. <laughs> you, you see, I have needs, and in my needs are for you to not kill my brother. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I have a need for my family's safety, and you're currently not respecting that need. Could we come to a compromise Alternatively, here? I could have a different need where you are no longer among the living. And that's a dagger in my chest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, that's I, how we're going to approach this. I, I guess I wasn't clear enough. I also have a need for my own safety, well, and that includes not that. having daggers on oh, the Oh, I didn't understand that. You should have made that more clear. <laughs> that that, that was my bad. <laughs> Guys, guys, that was the that was my <laughs> uh, Okay, now I'm not communicating. <laughs> I need to put this dagger somewhere. <laughs> and it needs to be in your bloodline somewhere. <laughs> can it be in, like, the graveyard? I have, like, family there. You can put it in a corner. I think we're at an impasse and I'm just going to attack you. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll finish. <laughs> Um, with that said, I think, uh... <laughs> You're really trying to pivot that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to pivot that. That's what I'm trying to do. With that said... <laughs> We're keeping it in. Yeah, we're keeping this in. Why, why, why don't we keep it in? Yeah, yeah we'll what, what's in. the worst thing? Like, With that said, uh, don't be a dick. Communicate with everyone at the table. Everyone's a person. Engage with the content. And generally, just try to be more involved. Yeah, even if you take only a couple of these tips and just, like, sprinkle in, maybe just a little more effort in sharing the spotlight. That's, you're already being a better player and everybody's gonna, you know, want to play more with you and you get to enjoy more adventures. Yeah, be active in your fun, be active in other players' fun, and be active in the GM's fun. Just just try to support other people and enjoy them again. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Table Topics Podcast. My name's Caleb. I'm Christian. I'm Santiago. Why don't you listen to some fun music? 